It is going to be a great few moments as we're together here today. And I want to encourage you today, today, I do not just want to give you, as I said earlier, a history lesson about what happened 2,000 years ago. What happened 2,000 years ago changed the world, changed everything. But I want you to understand how this impacts you today, right where you are. So let's look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 3. The Apostle Paul is, is declaring this. Notice what he says. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. He said, this is the most important thing that I pass on to you. What is, what is that? That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. That's the first importance. That He died on the cross for our sins, that He was buried, and on the third day, that He was raised to life. Now, notice what we read. And that He appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still alive. So it's very important that Jesus Christ was physically, bodily raised from the dead. The disciples saw Him. They touched His hands. They touched His side. He appeared at various times over the 40 days after the resurrection and before He ascended back to heaven. On the day that He ascended to heaven, as they gathered on the Mount of Olives, 500 were there and saw Him physically, bodily there in His glorified body as He ascended to heaven. He said, uh, and so they're still alive at this time, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, He appeared to me also as the one abnormally born. What was Paul referring? He said, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, how many are thankful for grace, unearned favor? Isn't that amazing? Paul said, I persecuted the church. I threw Christians in jail. I hated Jesus Christ. But when I met Him, He so radically changed my life, I became an apostle. He said, I'm the least of these. I have nothing in myself to offer. But He said, the grace of God to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Now, notice verse 13. Let's drop down a bit. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And look at this statement. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. That's why today is so important. The cross bought our salvation, made the way for us to be saved, allowed grace to come to us. But if Christ had not been raised from the dead, all of that would have been in vain. If, if, if His death would have been final, then the cross would have been a waste. Preaching is vanity. If you had not been raised from the dead, I need to fold my Bible and quit wasting your time today, and you need to go hunt eggs or fish or golf. But he was raised from the dead. And his death defeated all the power of hell. Look with me over to the last few verses in this same chapter. I want you to look at verse number 54 with me. When the perishable, that's our human bodies, has been clothed with the imperishable, the eternal, and the mortal of immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death, well this is why we're excited today, has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. He does wear the victor's crown today. He defeated all the power of the enemy. And that's so important. The cross, He said, what's first importance? The cross. 
and the resurrection. On the cross, Jesus died in our place. On the cross, our sins were forgiven. On the cross, we were redeemed, bought back from the control of Satan. The, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. When our sins are forgiven or remitted, they're taken away from us. Isn't it good news to know that Jesus took our place on the cross? Isn't it good news to know that I'm not only forgiven, but God looks at me as if I'd never sinned? My sins are taken away from me. Isn't it good to know today that not only are our sins forgiven and that, that our life is changed, but that Satan no longer has power over us today? How many are thankful that the power of Satan is broken off your life? See, I'm very, very passionate. And, 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 and uh, what would I say? I'm determined today because God has spoken to my heart that you and I, not just hear truth, but we receive truth today. You, you may have been to a lot of Easter Sundays. You, you, you may have been to a, a, a lot of church services. But my friend, I want you to hear me. It's not just being in a building and listening to a sermon that changes our life. It's God coming into our life and bringing His power and setting us free. And today I want you to know you have an appointment with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. What he did 2,000 years ago, he wants you to experience personally today. So we've come to do two things. We've come to celebrate the victory, rejoice in the victory. I mean, this is, you know, he's already won. This is sort of like the, uh, pardon my language, kind of like the after party. You know what I'm saying about? <laughs> you know, he won the game. This is the celebration. We're here just saying, whoa, look what he did. We won. Jesus won. But not only are we here to celebrate what he did, we're here to activate who he is, to release here and now that same power. I quoted it praying earlier in Romans 8. The Bible says the same spirit, wow, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in our mortal bodies when we accept Christ. Do you know that? I want you, if you know that person next to you, you don't scare a guest. But if you know the person next to you, just touch them on the shoulder right now. You just touch the temple of the Holy Spirit. You, you just touch someone who has the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwelling in their mortal body. Every once in a while I hear somebody say, I wish the Lord was close to me. Well, look around. You're surrounded by the presence of God. Every once in a while, somebody says, I wish I could walk with Jesus. Well, the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead is living inside of a whole lot of people in this room right now. Resurrection life is right there, right there, right there. And that's what we want to understand today. The power of the resurrection. Preaching a message called the grave robber. What in the world has that got to do with Easter Sunday? Well, we're going to find out. Now... I want you to, I've already got ahead of myself, and, and because I wanted to make sure everyone received one of these little white stones. Now, it's got a little dust on it, so relax. It'll be all right. It'll dust off. If you didn't receive one of these walking in, our ushers are ready. Would you just raise your hand for a moment? Because I want you to remember this message. Like, oh, you're going to have to work, ushers, especially over here, okay? All right, just keep your hand up until we put one of these in your hand, because this is going to mean a lot to you in a minute. And I want you to take this home with you, all right? We read that and know from history that when they would put someone in a tomb and roll a stone over it, 
One of the things they love to do, these are white on purpose. Just keep your hand up until we get there. We're coming. Help us on the way. They would whitewash the tombs. They would try to make them look as good as they could on the outside because it was really bad on the inside. Isn't that kind of what we like to do, huh? Put something on the outside and not care, care what's on the inside. Just keep your hand up. We're coming. We're coming. We're coming. We'll be there. So I, w- I want you to take that and I want you to hold on to it. We're going to refer back to it in a moment. This, this stone is going to be important as we, we go through this message today. So what I want you to see today is we're here to celebrate that absolute total victory of Christ. We're here today to release that anointing in your life. I'm, I'm passionate about that today. I want you to experience the resurrection power of Christ in your life today. So let's take a look. Let's go to John chapter 11 at, at someone who had this very experience. Someone who experienced revelation or, or resurrection in their life. John 11. Now this chapter is one of my favorite in Scripture. It, it, it inspired me to write the book, Resurrection of Authentic Manhood. As I looked at, at, at Lazarus' scenario and the events around his death and resurrection, I saw a pattern there. And I want to bring this to play here today when we look at our own individual life. It's good to know that Jesus was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago. It's good news to know that the cross worked. It's good news to know that grace is available. It's good news to know that there's nothing the devil has ever done that's greater than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's good to know that Satan lost and, and, and Jesus won and he's for us. But I want you to understand, he wants you to experience that resurrection power in your life. He wants you to have an opportunity to have uh, a Lazarus experience. He wants you to meet the grave robber today. He wants you to walk out of this place transformed by his resurrection power. So let's look in John 11 for just a few moments as we're studying today. John 11, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Let me pause there for a moment. I want to encourage you today. Somehow, from some place, and some reason, I think that we have come to a conclusion that the presence of a problem means the absence of God. I think somewhere, maybe because we wanted to think it, that we thought if God loves us, we're never going to have a problem. But the reverse of that is that if you're having a problem, God must not love you. It's not good theology. It's not a good way to look at life. And I want you to see that here is a man named Lazarus, and the Bible says that Jesus loved him, and he was sick. Can I tell you today that you may be walking through a crisis in your life, but it does not mean that God does not love you. It does not mean that God's not aware of what's going on in your life. Jesus loved Lazarus, and Lazarus was having a tough time. This word sick not only carries the connotation of a physical illness or a disease, but, but this word has a unique meaning. It means to be weak. It means to be feeble. It means to be without strength. Listen to this. It means to be powerless to help yourself. I meet people all the time who fit this category. 
I have people all the time who said, Pastor, I want to change my life, but I'm powerless. There's nothing I can do about it. I have rarely met an addict who has not said to me, I would like to change, but I just can't stop. I would like to be set free, but I just can't stop this. I wish I could change my family situation, but I feel powerless. I wish I had a better job, but there's nothing I can do about it. I'm categorized. I'm compartmentalized. I'm too young. I'm too old. I don't have enough education. I don't have the right last name. They tell me it's not what you know, it's who you know. Pastor, I'm powerless. I'm trapped. Life has pigeonholed me. I can't change the situation. I feel alone. I don't think anybody cares. I'm giving up hope. I'm about to just quit and give up. But I want you to know that when you feel powerless, when you feel weak, when you feel like you're out of control, Jesus Christ loves you and He's not out of options in your life and He wants to change that situation. He loved him and he was sick. Now the interesting thing was they sent word to Jesus and said, Hurry, Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. He's on his deathbed. You know what you need to understand? Whatever makes you sick, if it's not cured, if it's not confronted, if it's not dealt with, will ultimately cause you to die. Whatever's robbing your hope, if it doesn't change, your hope's going to die. Whatever's killing your dream, if you don't do something about it, your dream's going to die. Whatever's attacking your family, if something doesn't change, your relationships are going to die. See, they said, Jesus, you must come. He's sick. He's dying. Something has to happen. You need to do something. When Jesus met Martha, and, and, and after Lazarus had died from the sickness, she said, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. When he walked up to the other sister Mary, she said to him in verse 32, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. Gives us a little insight. So what's the cure from the things that make me feel powerless? What's the cure for the things that make me feel hopeless? What's the cure for for this sickness that's trying to kill everything important to me? Well, say, Lazarus' sister said, you're the cure, Jesus. If you had been here, he'd be okay. Can I tell you something today? Maybe our greatest need, the greatest medicine you can take today, The only cure for what's making your life sick is more of the presence of God in your life. Jesus, if you had been here, the sickness would have stopped. Jesus, if you would have been here, he would have been okay. Can I give you some good news today? Jesus is for you, not against you. He loves you today. He's closer than you think he is. And the cure for what's robbing your life of hope and faith and dreams is the absence of God's presence. Can I tell you something? I want to be as kind as I can. But if God seems distant to you today, He didn't move. You did. If you're not as close to Him today as you once were, He's not hiding from us. He's not running from us. He's not leaving us. He's not against you. He still loves you. If you're not where you once were with Jesus... He's right where you left him. I have good news for you today. If you'll turn and walk back the path that you walked away from him, you will find he is still waiting for you because his love has never diminished for you. 
But Jesus did something out of character, they thought. He was misunderstood in his response. Have you ever misunderstood the Lord? Usually it's for this one issue we're going to talk about here. They said, come hurry. Quickly, come. He's sick. He's dying. And you know what Jesus told the disciples? Just wait. What do you mean? Just wait. We're not going to leave right now. We're going to wait a couple of days. What do you mean you're going to wait a couple of days? Your friend's sick. The one you love's dying. You, you better hurry. I don't know what was a fast train then. I guess a faster donkey. I don't know what happened. But hey, get on the fast train, Jesus, and get here. Hurry. He needs help. Jesus said, just wait. Drop down to verse 11 in this uh, John chapter 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going there to wake him up. See, the disciples didn't get it. Look what they said. His disciples replied, Well, Lord, if he sleeps, then he's going to get better. They thought, Well, that's good. He's just taking a nap. Do you know there's some people that don't understand how sick you really are today? Do you know there's some people in your life that you think you're friends and they don't know what you really need? They're looking at you and they're not your answer. You know what they're telling you? It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Just keep doing what we're doing. Just keep going in the same direction. He's going to be okay. Notice what Jesus said. Verse 13. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Verse 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He's dead. What do, you, what, what do you mean he's dead? He's dead, guys. And so, what's the use in going? Why do we even need to go? Then Jesus makes an incredible statement. This is stunning. Look at the next verse. Verse 14, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Look at verse 15. I, I'm stunned at this. Maybe it'll surprise you. This is where we stumble. And for your sake, I'm glad. What? I'm glad I was not there. So that you may believe. But let's go to him. What do you mean, Jesus? You're glad you were not there. How in the world could Lazarus dying make you glad? Why in the world would you say something like that? I mean, how would you feel if someone you love died? And someone you thought could help? So, well, I'm glad about this. We don't understand that. You know what the problem was? Timing. You know what the problem was? They didn't understand the timing of God. You know what our problem is? We don't understand the greatness of God. And so this is what he said. I could have gone. And I could have healed him. Watch this. Because you have enough faith to believe that I can heal the sick. But what I want you to find out is something about me greater than you've ever known. What I want you to realize is that I'm bigger than you think I am. I'm greater than you think I am. And I could have gone there and healed him. And now you already know I can do that. But I waited two days. Because when I arrived, I wanted him to be dead for four days. There was a Jewish custom that said that when a person died, their spirit hovered around the tomb for three days. But if they, because prophetic words and the Old Testament and the prophecies of a third day resurrection. But if the person was dead for four days, it was over. So Jesus said, I'm just going to hang out for a while. I'm glad I wasn't there. And we're going, what in the world? Jesus, you missed your moment. Come on, stay with me. Jesus, you had a chance and you didn't come. I prayed a prayer and you didn't answer it. I asked you to do something and you didn't do it. Now, I know you can do this and you haven't done it, so you must not love me. 
You must not care about me. It's all over. I'm taking my toys and going home. Come on. I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm not going to read my Bible anymore. I'm not going to go back to church anymore. I'm not going to hope or believe or dream. I'm going to become hard and give up and take care of myself. And what he said was, you only know me to one level. But I waited a couple of days so I could walk into the most impossible situation of your life and show you it's not over until I say it's over. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. Pretty shocking. I'm glad I wasn't there. Wow. You better not say that unless you can finish the rest of this story. Only grave robbers talk like that. What do you mean a grave robber? We're getting there. You see what happens to us? We have a dream. We have hope. We have plans. And this is what happens to us. If your dream is from God, it's impossible without Him anyway. If your hope is from God, it's too big for you to accomplish. We have to have a dream that's big enough to give God room to get inside this thing. We need to have faith and prayer that's big enough to let God walk inside this situation. And, and, and I know nobody here ever fits in this category. And there's no one you know like this. But we tend to be control freaks. Do it my way. Do it on my schedule. Do it on my time. Do it according to my theology. Do it according to how I want you to do it. And when God chooses not to live in the confines of what we think, we get upset. Martha, the first thing, she saw him. You know, you could have changed this. I'm glad you're here, but you're late. Mary sees him and said, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't be dead now. Thanks for coming to the visitation, but you could have come and we wouldn't be in the spot. You missed it, Jesus. Your timing's off. It's not going to happen now. And he says, oh, when I get through with this, you're going to see things you never thought you could see. You're going to dream dreams you never thought you could dream. And today, I want to tell you, delay is not denial. Today, what I want to tell you is when life and timing and schedule says it's too late, God's waiting to walk into your life and show you something so big that you will have to say, only God could have done this. Only God could have done this. What I want you to know today, you have a resurrection appointment today for God to release resurrection power and the things you don't even want to talk about, think about, pray about anymore. God is ready to resurrect those things inside your life. So let's go to the big moment. Let's go to verse 32. I want you to see this. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, we see it again, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. Now, remember that statement. Deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But look at this verse. You still, <laughs> nobody understood what was about to happen. Here's the third time. Basically, they said. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Now, don't raise your hand or don't point at anybody. But do you know anybody walking through that time in their life? Well, Lord, I appreciate you showing up to comfort us, but you could have stopped this. Well, Lord, I'm glad you came. But really, we could have used you four days ago. It's nice that you wept for us. I'm glad 
that you love us. Listen to me. But maybe you're not as big as I thought you were. Maybe you don't love me as much as I thought you loved me. Maybe you're not as concerned about me as much as I thought you were. You know, glad you're here. And you know, a lot of people, because life is tough and rough and crushes hopes and dreams, a lot of people serve God like that. Used to have a big faith. Used to have big hope. Used to have big dreams. But now we just, you know, have enough Jesus to get me through one more day. Anybody with me? Just enough faith to get me from one Sunday to the next Sunday. You know, Lord, I don't know if you're really everything you say you are. I don't know if you really do all that you say you do. I, I'm just not sure. I'm glad you're here. But, you know, you missed your chance. It's not over. Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. For he's been in there four days. Now in the poetic King James, it says, Lord, it stinketh. Jesus, watch this, where are you in your walk with Jesus today? Oh, he wants to give you a fresh revelation right now. Because you see... Everybody expects him just to come comfort. Everybody thought the moment had come and gone. Everybody thought Jesus was late. And then he walks right up to the tomb and says, move that stone there. Like, whoa, no, 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 stop. It's bad inside there. It stinks inside there. The smell of death is inside there. We, we, we don't want to go in there. We don't want to think about this. We don't want to be confronted about this. You know, the hardest job in the world is the guy that sells cemetery plots and headstones. Because you don't want to talk about dying anyway. You don't want to spend money, and you sure don't want to spend money and talk about when you're going to die. And whoever that poor guy or man is, probably the best salesman on the planet. Because we don't like to talk about death. We don't like to think about death. I'm going to live forever. What do you mean a tombstone? I don't need a tombstone. Somebody knocked on your door this afternoon. Can you imagine? Hi. I'm George Sawyer. I'd like to sell you a grave plot. Get out of here. What do you mean you sell me a grave plot? And the younger you are, the more you feel that way. If you're under 30, you think you're Superman. I know that. I used to think that too. Didn't you, Pastor Milio? I thought I could go faster than a speeding train or a bullet, stronger than a train, faster than a bullet, leap over buildings in one single bound. And I kept bumped into a few of those buildings along my way. And caught a few of those bullets. Got run over by some of those trains. But I'm still here. And you know what I found out? That I'm not faster than a speeding bullet. And I'm not stronger than a speeding train. And I can't leap tall buildings in a single bound. But I know someone who can do all those things and more. And what I've learned is that what I cannot do, He can do every single day. And Jesus walks right up to the part of your life that you don't want to talk about anymore. That's what that represents. Don't go in there. That's done. Don't go revisit that pain. I don't want to forgive the people that abuse me because if I do that, I've got to pull that stone away and look at that thing again. I don't want to forgive. I just want to be mad. I don't want to go back and look at that. I don't want to revisit it. I don't want you to see what's on the inside of me. 
It stinks inside here. I don't want anybody to see. Just come pat me on the shoulder and let's forget about this stuff. It's dead and it's over. Don't bother it. Leave it alone, Jesus. He said, move the stone out of the way. Death stinks. Death is a pain. Living without a dream is hard. Living without hope is hard. Thinking that because one person lied to you, everybody's going to lie to you is hard. Somebody broke a vow and now you don't trust anybody. Life didn't turn out the way we wanted to. Somebody didn't get healed. Somebody didn't do this. And now we don't know what to do. So we just put a stone over it and live with a hole in our life and say, let's just don't go there anymore. And you know what Jesus does? He's not afraid of the hard places. He's not afraid of the dead places. He's not afraid of that. In fact, he's a grave robber. He couldn't wait to get to the grave and deal with what nobody else even wanted to talk about. He sees something in you nobody else sees. He sees treasure where everybody else sees a mess. He sees in you something that you can't even see about yourself. Move the stone out of my way. Come here to take care of business. Have you thought about his connection to you? We read in... Early in the chapter that he loved Lazarus. He loves you more than you can imagine. We read here that when they were going to the grave and he looked at Mary and he looked at those weeping, the Bible says Jesus wept. He shed tears over you. You mean so much to him that what hurts you hurts him. But what you may not know is when we read these verses here, look at verse 32. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And drop down to verse 38, we read it again. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. That kind of bookends that verse, Jesus wept. And if we read this, our initial thought is that his emotion, when he was troubled, when he was moved, was that he was weeping. It was sorrow. And he was empathetic and sympathetic with their pain. But I want you to understand what those two verses said. That's not the same word for being weeping and sorrowful. And wounded. Somebody told me after first service, their translation used the word agitated in verse 32 and 38. You know what happened in that emotion? For every time he cries for you, there's two times when he looks at what's hurting you and becomes agitated at him. The word is anger, righteous indignation, fire of war rises up in him. And I want you to know the God who loves you and the God who weeps for you is the God who will fight the enemies that come against you. And what, what fights you, God said, I'll fight. Over and again in Scripture, the Bible says the battle is not yours, it's the Lord. The picture in the Greek text is a horse. Rearing up on his haunches, ready to go into battle, snorting at the sound and smell of the enemy. Your God walks up to what's killing you and trapped you and rears up and snorts agitated at the devil and says, You will not hold them any longer. I'm walking into your grave and what you thought was yours, I'm taking out of your hands and Lazarus will live again. You're going to live again. You're going to breathe again. You're going to have life again. God is not satisfied to let you die where you are. Your life's not over. Your dream's not over. Your marriage is not over. Your hopes are not over. God is connected with you and willing to walk into the stinking dead places in your life and confront them with a power. I I love the people who feel sorry for me. Aren't you glad for friends? When you're having trouble, 
But I really like the guys who not only feel sorry for me, who can do something about what's bothering me. You know, my, I, I had that transformation I told you about this one time. I have a big sister, not a big brother. And I grew up in a tough neighborhood. Uh, we lived there for a while. We were building a home. We moved into a new neighborhood. And there was a family that lived on the corner. And, and, and they had a, uh, there was one son two years older than me. And then there were a pair of twins that were five years older than me. And their names were Biggin and Larry. I still don't know what Biggin's name is. They just was Biggin and Larry. They were the meanest two twins who ever walked on earth. One day, Biggin and Larry dug a hole in the backyard. It wasn't a deep one. It was just about like this. And they grabbed me and the younger brother and threw us in the hole and laid plywood on top of it and laid down on top of the plywood and wouldn't let us out. It was summertime. It was hot. It was humid. It was nasty. It was dark. I thought I was going to die. And I had a big sister. And there was nothing she could do about Biggin and Larry. I didn't have anybody to fight for me. But one day, one of the neighborhood boys, he was three years older than me. Everybody was older than me in that neighborhood. He threw a tin can over the fence. Hit me in the head. Cut my head. My head started bleeding. My sister was standing beside me. I don't know what happened to her that day. But something about me bleeding, I guess, triggered something. My sister climbed that fence, got a hold of the guy who cut my head, and it looked like a windmill in a hurricane. She whipped him up one side of the yard and whipped him back down the other side of the yard. I got so excited, I, I wish he'd throw another cannon and hit me right then. It was one of the best days of my life. I'd gladly bleed to see my sister beat him up. You can hit me every day with the can. You see, it's one, she had always been empathetic for me. You understand? When Biggin and Larry tried to bury me alive, she felt bad for me. When the other boys beat me up, she felt bad for me. But there came that day where she not only had sympathy for me and wept when I wept, she got agitated on that day and climbed the fence and whipped the dog out of those boys. That's what Jesus will do to your death. He not only feels sorry, he is agitated and will fight that which fights you. But here's the amazing thing to me about this whole scenario. Well, let's read what happened. So he says, take the stone away. She complains, Lord, it stinks. Verse 40, let's wrap this up. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? The glory of God is when God walks in and says, I got this. It's when something happens so amazing that everyone has to say, well, that was God. It was too big for you and I. That was God. So watch this. Watch, watch, watch. Verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, I love this. Now he's going to raise a guy from the dead who's been dead four days. Nobody believes that he's going to do this. Everybody's standing there holding their nose. You understand what I'm saying? Shaking their head. What has happened to Jesus? If he was here four days ago, we'd be all right. You with me? Watch his prayer. <laughs> Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Wow. He's going to raise a dead man. That's it? You know me? I prayed fast for a while. What about you? I would have called a prayer meeting. Got the elders and the deacons and the mothers and the fathers and the aunts and the uncles. Come on. I... Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this just for the benefit of the people standing here. That they may believe that you sent me. Really? <laughs> Can I tell you the grave robber? 
Jesus, the grave robber. The one that walks in the dead places and sees something good that nobody else sees. The one that will walk right into the worst moment of your life and rob you right out of the hands of death. The one who says, death, you can't hold them any longer because I'm here now. He just prayed a simple prayer. Father, thanks. I'm just praying for these guys. And then the big part, look at this. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes. Let him go. Isn't that amazing? He walks up to the grave. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Father. I know you hear me. I'm just praying this for all these people standing around. Lazarus, come out. That was it. Come on, that was it? When you have power over death, you don't have to take all day to get somebody free. When you have power over death, you don't have to pray some long pharisaical prayer. He just walks up and says, thank you, Father. I did this for them. Lazarus, get up. I mean, really? Three statements and a dead man comes to life? But here's the issue that you need to see. I want to see your stone for a minute. You got it? Get it out of your purse your pocket. I want you to look at this. Because this is the shocking part of the whole story. This is the bottom line moment. Have you got it in your hand? Look at verse 39 with me. What did he say? Take away the stone. Here's your stone. Look at verse 41. So they, who took the stone away? So they took away the stone. Look at this. Then Jesus looked up and prayed. Do you realize, are you ready? The stone's in your hand. Do you know that the next move is yours today? Do you know that only you can move the stone? Do you know that Jesus can raise the dead, but you have to move the stone? Do you realize that that was their responsibility? That the creator of the universe walked up and stared death in the face and said, I'm ready, are you ready? I'm going to do the hard work. I'm going to raise the dead. But you're going to have to roll away a stone. Do you know what that means to you and I today? You hold the stone right now. Your will is the stone. Your will is the stone. The Bible says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. But He will not walk in until you move the stone. Until you say, yes, come in my life. Yes, raise me from the dead. Yes, change my life. Yes, walk in and free me from death. You move the stone. If you don't move the stone, He can't raise the dead. It's stunning to me. The power that God gave the free will of man is stunning to me. God waits on you to say yes today. God waits on you to take the stone and move it away. I want you to take this stone home with you. And, and, and don't put it up yet. But tomorrow when you get up, I want you to look at this stone. And I want you to say, it's not over till God says it's over. God's timing is better than my timing. I knew He could do this. But now i found out He can go beyond anything I ever knew before. And I want you to look at this stone right now though. And some of us that are here today, you're good folks. You have good dreams, good plans for you, your family, your marriage, your life. Listen to me closely. But something's happened on your journey. And you're not where you were with the Lord. Or maybe you've never put your faith in Him. Maybe you never realized that the things that are making you sick, stealing your dreams and 
wrecking your life and making life so much less than you thought it would be. Maybe you never realized that only Jesus can change that. And today, you didn't just come in this building. God arranged a thousand details for you to be here today. He said, oh no, somebody invited me and I just came. No, 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 no. Somewhere they had to accept Christ as their Savior. And somehow they had to be connected to you. And some way they had to get to you so they could get you here today. And we just think life's going on. But what God wants you to do today is move the stone and invite Him in your life. He wants to walk inside all the dead places and set you free. But you hold the stone. If you move the stone, then He'll raise the dead. Maybe you've never known Him. Or maybe you once knew Him. Come on, listen to me closely. And you just Walked off. You became cold. You got busy. Your feelings got hurt. Somebody in a church made you mad. Somebody in a family upset you. Things didn't go the way your thoughts as you go. Listen, and you gave up too soon. You stopped serving Jesus at the point where you said, you're late. But today, you're going to hold the stone and say, come on in. I realize just because I thought you missed it, you're not too late. You never are. And today you can heal me right where I'm hurting. I want you to stand with me. And I want everybody to to respect this moment as our musicians come. Well, we're going to pray two big prayers today. I want to pray two big prayers. I don't want you to miss either one of them right now. Let's, Let's just hold tight for a minute here. Hold steady. See, I gave you a white stone. It may be a little chalky. It's, it'll be okay. Because what they used to do, listen to me, is when someone died, they just whitewash the outside of the tomb. While on the inside, everything's dying. I don't want to whitewash your life. I want you to move the stone out of the way and let Jesus walk in and change. You say, well, Pastor, I'm all right. I'm okay. What makes you sick will kill you if you don't do something about it. And today Jesus wants to heal you where you're hurt, free you from what's causing you to be sick and dying, restore the hope, the joy, the plans, the faith that life crushed out of you. Today's so important that in a moment I'm going to do something that I rarely, rarely do. But I don't want you to miss your divine appointment with the Lord today. Today, let's just go to this place. I want you to be very clear. If today you've never asked Christ into your heart, you're on the wrong side of that stone and you're wrestling with a life that is kind of spinning out of control. On the outside, everything looks good, but you know on the inside, man, you're in trouble. Because you're going it alone. He loves you. He's wept over your pain. He fights your enemies. And today he's calling you by name. Lazarus. He didn't say everybody come out. He picked that one name. Today he's saying your name. He's for you. You have to open the door and say come into my heart. Or maybe you're here today and you've once walked with him. But man, you know, you're doing things you wish you'd never done going places you never thought you'd go and it's cold and it's not what it was but you're ready for that to change 
Here's what I want you to do. I want to pray for you. And I'm so thankful for this moment. Wow. There are people who are going to walk out of tombs today. Man, I'm so thankful for the power of God in this room. You're about to be resurrected. Resurrected. Death off you. Life in you. Hope alive. But you hold the stone. Only you can say yes to Him today. 